I was a little bit in denial. I was stubborn. I didn't know what to do, but I didn't want to get help. You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome to the Experience Sikhi podcast. I'm Kalwinder Singh. And I'm Prabhjot Kaur. Before we begin, just a bit of housekeeping. We will begin this podcast by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous people from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. In particular, we want to acknowledge the traditional territory of the Keitsi, Tuasin, Stolo, Sinich, and Kwatlin. If you guys like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at experiencesikhi.com. Also, we just want to reiterate that we are not mental health professionals. We are not Sikhi experts. These are just our personal opinions and our learning experience that we want to share with you guys and pro- provide a perspective, hopefully uh, from your perspective, as well as some questions that we can ask on your behalf. So let's uh, get into the podcast. With us today is Kolpreet Singh. Kolpreet Singh is the founder of the South Asian Mental Health Alliance which he started as a community network that aims to engage, educate, and mobilize South Asian communities around issues related to mental health. He started it after he personally struggled with his diagnosis with adult attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is commonly known as ADHD. He has been a moderator for the Mental Health Reddit forum for about nine years, which is a support network which he can, where, where you can go on and talk openly and anonymously about mental health and any um, issues that you're having. The forum is now past 84,000 members. He is also a grade school teacher and focuses on increasing mindfulness and goal setting in young children through various camps. He has participated in many workshops, conferences, panels, discussions, um, and everything along that line on mental health. We are super excited to talk to him. So without further ado, here's Kolpreet Singh. All right. Welcome, Vijay. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I wanted to let you know, like, before we start off that, like, we both have been looking forward to recording this podcast with you for a long time. We really admire all the work that you do in the community. And we, it's truly an honor to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So just start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, childhood, upbringing, family life? Uh, sure. So I was uh, born and raised here in BC and I grew up, um, I have two little sisters and my family, um, they live locally and um, we, we moved from New Westminster to Richmond and now we live in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I went to school here. Um, I didn't know that much about Sikhi growing up, although like my grandparents and great grandparents, they were into Sikhi. But um, we used to go to like a couple of uh, Gurdwara kids camps here and there, but we didn't know that much about it until uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to high school and some college and university here as well. And now I'm uh, working at uh, Sikh Academy School, and I um, do work in the community around mental health. 
Awesome. And is teaching your like passion? Is this like uh, one of your passions? What are your hobbies? You yeah, um, I love connecting with young people, especially on Sikh history and Gurbani. Mm-hmm. Um, I love talking with um, people about self-development and about... I, I also started doing like a small kids camp in the summer, um, more focused on goal setting and wow. self-improvement um, called Bloom Camp. And this is our third year of doing that camp. And so... It's my passion to, I was, I was helped, like when I came into Sakia, I was helped by, um, you know, role models and mentors and people who were doing uh, classes and workshops and camps. So I, my way of trying to give back to the youth or the next generation is by doing the same. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my passion. So that's amazing. Um, so getting into that, like, did you get that? Was that your main focus in terms of how you got into Sikhi, the camps and all the workshops that people provided? Or was there like another kind of trigger or catalyst that got you into Sikhi? I guess um, like on a bigger scale, it's just about your karam and Guruji's kirpa, right? Sure. How everything works out. But um, growing up, I remember one of my grandfather's brothers, he came here from India and he taught me Punjabi. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he taught me Punjabi, he kind of asked me to write a contract that I will stay committed to learning. And um, when he had to go back to India, he gave me that contract back. And that time it made me really emotional when he was leaving. And so then I I committed to, you know, Mm -hmm. connecting with my uh, heritage and with my language yeah. and then from there that was one kind of catalyst and then I attended some youth camps and the first uh, camp that I attended it was called West Coast West Coast Camp mm-hmm. and um, that one when I when I first went there just being in the Sangat uh, within a week I became vegetarian and then within a few months I started keeping my case and it just had like an impact um, and most, my most like uh, big catalyst I could say was um, meeting Piper Minder Singh and getting connected to Gurunanak Academy and he was definitely one of the most um, influential mentors uh, in my life. Wow. Even all the way from Toronto, we always hear so many stories of Bhai Parminder Singh and Bhai Janjit Singh, Bibiri Nagar, and how influential they were on all the youth here. It seems like that's like a common thing here. Yeah, I think that um, Bhai Parminder Singh had a mission to bring different people from different organizations together. And he grew up also doing seva in different jathebandis and right. meeting different Gursiks from different Sangats. And so it was his goal to promote Ekta and just to promote Gurmat. And um, when they passed away, I think it was um, uh, kind of a wake up call for a lot of people at that time to be more active and to do more in the community mm-hmm. and to also um, get move further in their own personal Sikhi. So I think um, it, it a lot of the things that we see nowadays happening, um, their presence or um, their, I guess, their legacy, you could say, um, kind of pushed that forward and made a lot of people get more active in the community. Right. Yeah, Yeah, 100% agree. Like we just, we always talk about them in terms of they've set the foundation in a lot of respects by Janji Singh with Gatka and by Paraminda Singh in terms of Katha and doing Katha in English. A lot of people started in Katha in English after he started doing that, right? So he set the foundation for that.
Yeah, I think it's like generational. I mean, obviously, like um, if we like in BC history, there's been so many different waves of influential leaders um, from uh, the Gadri Babe and Santeja Singh Ji, and mm-hmm. then throughout different ages, when different Gursikhs came here, Baijeevan Singh Ji came here, um, you know, Baba Thakur Singh Ji came here. So many yeah. different Gursikhs through different ages, they influence people in different ways. And then for the youth, I think Paipraminder Singh kind of created that wave of Definitely. more youth programs and youth initiatives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really important. We can, in Toronto, the, we have a lot to learn <laughs> from you guys. Um, I wanted to talk about your mental health journey and um, how you became so passionate about it. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, I think that um, growing up, I probably had ADHD, but I didn't know that I did. And uh, when I went to high school, I I was actually in elementary school, I did very well. My grades were um, probably the best in the class. Mm. But um, in high school, my grades started to decline. And then in college, I hit a wall completely and I struggled a lot. And I didn't do anything about it. I didn't know where to find help. I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of squirmed around and went into different programs, went to different universities. And this is one thing that I could definitely say to anyone who's listening who's in college or university right now. And if you're going through a struggle, like there are a lot of services out there. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to not just coast. Like that's basically what I did. I just, you know... My parents, sometimes they would ask me, like, did you go to school or did you do this or did you do that? And I would just give roundabout answers, but they didn't know how many ups and downs I was going through at that time. And so that can happen to a lot of young people. It's probably happening with a lot of young people nowadays where they don't feel comfortable to communicate with their parents or they don't feel comfortable um, finding help. But there are a lot of resources out there that you can access so that you don't have to look back and say, Um, You know, I wish that I hadn't wasted one year or two years. I wish that I hadn't, um, you know, gone in this direction or I wish I didn't have so many incompletes or withdrawals or Mm -hmm. Fs on my transcript. Um, So, you know, there are. So that's basically what happened to me. Like I had A's and B's in one term and like W's and F's in another term. And um, finally, when I got into the workforce, I tried to make it work. I tried to. Um, be successful and do my best but I still had a lot of challenges with focus and attention and when I got diagnosed I was 25 so it was way after it was seven years after graduating from um, high school so by that time you know I was a little bit in denial I was stubborn I didn't know what to do but I didn't want to get help Mm -hmm. but I was also really frustrated with the whole situation. So um, finally, I think when I was 25 or 26, I started to take medication, but it didn't suit me. I got a lot of anxiety from it. And um, I finally found a medication that worked for me. But by that time, I just learned other coping mechanisms mechanisms to try to help me focus Mm -hmm. and to make um, it easier. Um, But that whole journey like it also brought on anxiety and depression and um, staying away from social functions and just kind of keeping myself in a cocoon all the time right. and um, finally that that's kind of just what made me um, 
think that we need to do something about this because I was even shocked, like being born and raised here, how much um, stigma I had about my own um, mental health. Mm -hmm. And I I was surprised like how I felt ashamed of or I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. And um, I think like a lot of people who don't speak the language or who are new um, to the system or to the country, for them, it's even more challenging. So I put like this uh, little call out uh, to a few people that, you know, I want to start some organization that does advocacy work in in um, the South Asian community mm-hmm. around mental health. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this person named Natasha Ray, and she uh, sent me this invitation to a community building conference. Mm-hmm. And this conference happened in um, Vancouver, and it was something really interesting because it was actually for community managers and um, community builders, so like leaders in, in different societies, different cultures, different cities, right. on how they bring organizations together and how they make things happen in their community. And at the end of the conference, there was this little activity where you put a paper bag and you write something on it, on any initiative or any idea that you have that you want to connect with others on. So I had, basically, this is where it started. I had a paper bag, it said, um, you know, I want to uh, create an organization that advocates for mental health in the South Asian community. Can you help? And then I just left it there and it had a few business cards thrown in there that people had given. And so over that summer, I started to contact those people. And then finally, I got the courage to organize a meeting. And at that meeting, we had 12 people um, that attended or 12 or 13 people. And those 12 or 13 people kind of started, helped me to start this um, organization. organization. Wow. And so even in our logo, it's it's like a sun um, or you could say it's a sunflower or a sun. And it has basically 12 people holding hands. Awesome. And so that's where the symbolism of it comes right. together, that we can all shine a light on this darkness of ignorance and um and work together yeah yeah wow that's amazing um so by going through this uh i know you mentioned that you felt um that there's stigma towards it or you you were kind of in denial um at at age 26 when you did find age 25 you were diagnosed but you were kind of in denial and you said tried a couple medicines um but did you uh, you said you went to a psychiatrist as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was that thought? What was the thought process going there, and how did you get to that position, um, and all, all the kind of context around it? Yeah. So uh, I knew some family members who had seen counselors or had seen psychiatrists, and psychology in general is not something new. Like in my family, my sister's a counselor. My younger sister is a psych nurse. Wow. Um, sorry, a mental health nurse. And um, I have other family members who are counselors or um, teachers, mm-hmm. or professors of psychology, things like that. So, um, so basically, it wasn't something that I um, I thought that I shouldn't do, but it was just going through that process was um, it was it was difficult. It was a journey, and um, just even like. Sometimes just even getting the energy or the um, momentum to go right. uh, to meet the psychiatrist was difficult. 
but um, I think it was very rewarding because that person helped me to connect to other professionals and that person helped me and reminded me of how um, just having any kind of like a rogue or having any kind right. of condition is not your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like on a bigger scale, we talk about karam, right? right? And there's like, I've talked about this in other contexts as well, that on on the one hand, you can say that everything is karam and everything is hukam, but, on the, um, but you can't let that disable you or not let you from moving forward. Right. right. Uh, because... Um, there's like an infinite reality The reality is reality But at the same time you can also You have been given the um, power and the consciousness And the initiative to change your own reality And to make your karam different for the future mm-hmm. um, So you can take those steps now In the present moment to change what's going to happen in the future So I think that um, that's kind of where the initiative came from And then I I uh, tried to see one or two ADHD coaches as well. Right. And I think they were very helpful, but I wasn't in the mindset. Like, it works both ways. You can have a really good counselor or a psychiatrist or a coach, but you need to be ready to receive that information right. and to act on it. Right. Okay. So in some circumstances throughout this journey, I've been the one who's been putting up my own mm-hmm. Blockades, because I know with people who have depression or anxiety or ADHD or any other uh, illness or trauma or even like a long-standing bad habit, yeah, we self-sabotage a lot. We're so like these these habits and these thinking patterns are so ingrained in us right. that we just gravitate back towards them, mm-hmm. um, even if we're on a really 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 good trajectory towards success. Right, and then you know something w- will happen where we relapse. But um, I think the important thing is to just keep moving forward, keep mm-hmm. moving forward. Even even one small step at a time makes a difference. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you more about that. Like you said, sometimes you're not willing to take the help. People are willing to give you the help, but we're, we're not ready to accept it. When it came to your diagnosis, how were you able to reach that point where you were ready to accept that, okay, yeah, I do have ADHD and... I'm going to seek help. How did you finally, like, how did that sink in for you? I think that's a line that a lot of people reach when um, it could be for an illness or it could be for a habit where it starts interfering with your happiness and your day-to-day life. And if it also starts affecting your relationship with other people. Um, So for me, it was affecting my job, um, the way that I interacted with my manager and how I would make excuses for why certain things didn't get done. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it was just really difficult for me to prioritize and to time manage at that time. Mm-hmm. Over time, I learned a lot of skills on how to do that, and I'm much better at that now. But at that time, I didn't know these things. I didn't know how to balance my priorities or um, also even how to engage in self-care and how to make sure that I'm taking care of myself when I need to. Um, I would always say yes to everyone for everything and then what would happen is I would disappoint more people because mm-hmm. I didn't have the capacity to do everything. So when it got to that point, then I had a realization that I need to um, kind of control this. Right. Um, and it's not something that I think like one of the things that is really important for everyone to know is that there's no, unless somebody is... 
um, I guess you could say in the context of Sikhi, like unless someone is Jeevan Mukh, there is, n- there is no, uh, you know, period at the end of the sentence. There's no, like, that's not, there's no, nobody is really at the absolute level yet, um, except those people who right. are. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is a lot of times when we talk about people who have gone through different journeys, we put them on a pedestal mm-hmm. and it could, it could happen with anyone. And um nobody is you know at that point where they have you know reached the conclusion of the story right and it's an ongoing day to day month to month year to year challenge and everyone is growing constantly and everyone goes through just like you know we see like nature goes through seasons we go through different seasons as well and we go through ups and downs and so what happens is it like in especially in like our social media age Mm -hmm. we just want like a quick fix or we just want to see someone who had like a sad story and now they have a happy story right Mm -hmm. and so especially after i started talking about my own story or i just started talking in the community People say, well, I'm so glad that, you know, you're better now. But it's no, there's no such thing. It's always a struggle. There's always Mm. improvements. There's always things to work on. But, um, but I'm, but I am really thankful that those struggles that I went through, they taught me on how to live better now. Right. Yeah. I love that. As you just mentioned, like somebody said that, um, oh, I'm so glad that you're better now. Um, That was like a type of reaction. Like what? What's like the best reaction you've gotten or like the worst reaction or how should somebody kind of approach someone who um, they might know they have mental illness to be able to ask questions about it, to know more about it, to get that type of information? Um, I think that first, firstly, like we try to empathize with someone by saying, I know how you feel or I understand, but we don't understand. Nobody, nobody knows um, uh, and like Mara says that too, right? Gone, Jana, Peer, Parai. Like nobody understands anyone else's pain, and it could be in a spiritual context, or it could be in a in a mental health context, or it could be in any. You know, um, nobody understands what someone else is struggling through. Only the one who's inside you, Waiguru, understands what you're going, going through. through. Uh, but at the same time, um, if you want to support someone, you can just offer um, your presence right you can offer your ear you can say I'm here to listen I'm here to be present Um, I'm here for you if you need to just vent or you need to just have someone to talk to Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time sometimes nowadays because um, I guess we want to be helpful but we take on too much so then we think that we can be someone's counselor or someone's psychologist but that's those people have those professions for a reason too right Mm -hmm. so if someone is a counselor it's better to allow a counselor to do the counseling rather than you take on someone's crisis and try to counsel them Um, you might not have the skills or you might not have the training but you can still be a friend you can still be a brother you can still be a sister mother father Um, that's a way that you could help. You could still be Sangat and support the person. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessary to be their doctor or right. to be their psychiatrist or their counselor. And so do you recommend, um, if you know someone that's in that type of position, do you recommend that you call a counselor on their behalf or you kind of encourage them to count, uh, call a counselor? Yes, it's really difficult to like um, gauge that because a lot of times... Um, 
somebody if if somebody is in like imminent danger to themselves or to someone else then you have to call the police and you have to get some kind of crisis support okay but if they're not then they then they also have to make their own decision if you make the decision on their behalf mm. then they could resent you for that they could not go forward with treatment um they could relapse in the future because it wasn't something that they decided to do right but what you could do is just provide that environment you know um a lot of people have asked a question like this before too and yeah. what do i do for my mom she has psychosis and she hears things and she sees things and i want to support her mm-hmm. but um she doesn't agree to go to see a doctor right for example so um all i could tell that person is that as a family sometimes when you're just sitting down and you're having a conversation you could you know um you know you're browsing through different tv shows you could watch a movie or a tv show about that topic right mm-hmm. and it could mention that in there or you could um have certain punjabi language brochures or flyers that are sitting on the coffee table or sitting on the kitchen table where the person walks by and they're having their lunch and they read it mm-hmm. these kind of things they can they can be less intrusive and less accusatory because a lot of times we assign blame to mental illness mm-hmm. and we wouldn't assign that blame if someone has um any other kind of condition right we wouldn't assign that blame um to somebody who's physically hurt right. we would instead just try to rehabilitate them and support them but we assign a lot of blame to people who and we also try to find quick fixes like you know if you have depression just cheer up be mm. stronger um and we use the even the concept of chardi kala we misuse it mm-hmm. we just say like be in chardi kala maharaj says you should be in chardi kala right but if something is wrong with the chemicals in your brain or something is wrong with your hormones or right. something is wrong with your body um then that's a different to... thing that's that's for a different conversation and sikhi is for a different sikhi and gurbani and simran is the ultimate cure it has an impact on your yeah. mind yeah but um if you try to use sikhi in a different context then the person could also turn around and start resenting sangat right. or resenting gurbani and saying you know you always tell me just to go and do this just go and do that but um i need to do this and there's a time for everything yeah. right there's a time to go to counseling there's a time to and if you go to counseling and you get things off your mind or if you go to a psychiatrist and you kind of apna dil halka kar de and we just right. take the burden off of our heart then when you go to sangat you can actually connect on a deeper level and then when you connect then that's where the um you know the impact can happen right. which which is where you know someone can actually get healing from that mm-hmm. right so there's even a shabad of pai gurdas ji that says that when you have um rog you have to take the daru you have to take the medicine with a sanjam you need a tarika mm-hmm. to take the medication right so it's the same with with gurbani too like we always talk about ikman ikchit if you're not ikman ikchit when you're reading gurbani right then no, you, you won't connect. get that impact so instead of telling people by force we should try to tell people by help and support and love to kind of guide them in that direction mm-hmm. or like provide mediums like uh, such as reddit we heard that you started a reddit form to raise mental health awareness um if you can just talk a little bit about that that'd be yeah um so i didn't start that forum but i kind of 
came into the moderator role about um, eight or nine years ago. Uh, so when when it was started, I think there was a few hundred members, and the moderator just disappeared. Oh. And at that time, I was passionate about mental health, and I thought that I'll you know kind of get involved here yeah. and I'll try to help. And so um, at that time, there was a few hundred members, and now there's fifty five thousand members after this That's much insane. time. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's grown a lot, and I think that it's not primarily like it's not to do with me it's just that there's been more awareness around this topic mm-hmm. and on reddit like more and more people are joining it and more and more people are participating in the conversations there yeah so mental health is such a broad topic that people want to talk about it they want to get help and support so um yeah that's one of my passions as well and one of the things that i work on every day yeah i think that personally uh, as a person who's in tech I just think using technology to be able to raise awareness about topics like this is amazing. And Reddit is such an interesting platform that allows you to have conversations like that, right? So um, I think that's amazing. Um, I wanted to rewind you. just a little bit. You were mentioning before about um, some of the reactions that you've gotten or people that deal with mental health illnesses, they get reactions such as, um, like just do more Simran, do more Bonnie, like or, or they go into like this perspective because it's kind of forced on them that that uh, they chose to be depressed, that they choose this anxiety and they can choose not to have it. And mm-hmm. recently I came across a Bonnie Punkti that I really love. It's uh, it goes Kid um, and it talks about a forced laborer and how he he's depressed and he's he uh, he's being forced to do labor which makes it hard for him to function even in his own home mm-hmm. and it specifically mentions like uh, depression in that pankti and i really love it because i feel like maraj there is telling us that these things like they're not our fault mm-hmm. and uh you you've talked a little bit about uh dopamine the receptors the neurotransmitters in your brain mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and how that works yeah, absolutely. And your um, pankti that you just spoke, it reminded me of Badda Chatti Jokare Na Gunna Upkar. People who do Gurbani part or who do um, Kitan just as a ritual or just on a surface level, um, it's very difficult. And we learn about that Sakhi from Guru Gobind Singh Ji's time about the Gursikhs and the water, the rocks in the water and how... Um, you know, gursiks are like sugar cubes that just melt into the water and whereas a manmukh who comes to Sangat and doesn't absorb, they could be in Sangat for so long. Now when we have like difficulty absorbing the message of Gurbani, it could happen for any reason. It could happen because we're having conflict at home, it could happen because we're under too much stress and so sometimes we need to work on that. And I, I just want to clarify, like I didn't um, mean to say that if someone says do Simran that doing Simran like Gurbani says themselves that um, right? when when finally if Guru Sahib does Kirpa we get to connect through Simran to Naam mm-hmm. then our Dukh and Rog can be cured and cut off right. but um, at the same time like Banji just mentioned and also the um, Pankti that I said as well like it's difficult to connect if you are doing it just out of ritual you can't right. do it out of ritual you can't do it out of force right. you have to do it out of bhavna, pyar, right um, but to Banji what you were saying um, in terms of um, 
the I think the main the main thing to understand about that is a lot of people think that these different illnesses are only emotional and they're only either by choice or they're by our bad habits but sometimes someone could have really really excellent health they could have excellent eating habits good diet exercise they could have a good job they could have a good family they could have no stress about their marriage no stress about their kids their mortgage could be paid off they mm-hmm. could have a functioning and happy uh, environment in their family and their job and their car could be fine their, everything could be fine right no stress about anything right. and they right. could still get depression right because it's not only about the environment i see the environment and the emotions and um different conflicts that we go through relationships those things are all contributing factors they can exacerbate the symptoms they can even create traumatic situations where you develop uh you know post traumatic disorder or you develop some other kind of trauma yes they all contribute but they're not the only ones right sometimes it's just your genetics sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the chemicals in your brain sometimes you don't have like for for ADHD the dopamine um neurotransmitters they don't connect you don't you don't have that um stimulation so you need stimulation to make sure that your executive function is happening so right. that you can do things you think about a lot of things with ADHD um you know you make a lot of plans you think that you will get this done you will get that done but um the area on the front of your brain prefrontal cortex it manages your executive function and you want to follow through but mm-hmm. you can't follow through because there's not enough dopamine and it's not helping the neurotransmitters connect to each other and send the message that what you thought you're going to do do it what you thought you're going to do do it so the person with ADHD they actually just can't do it they uh-huh. want to do it they have the incentive or the um intent to do it but they just can't do it and so that's why people take stimulants right? right that's why they drink coffee or have chocolate or drink coke or they have um medications right. because it stimulates their brain and it creates that dopamine and it makes their executive function improve it makes them take action i see um but um with other other um diseases it's, it's other chemicals it's other levels um i know people who have had iron deficiency and iron deficiency like anemia can mimic uh, depression symptoms mm-hmm. so someone could be anemic and they could be feeling very low energy they're not getting enough oxygen in their blood right. and their organs are not getting enough oxygen so then they always feel anxious they feel like they're not they can't breathe properly and people who have low thyroid um or people who have different issues with their estrogen testosterone insulin cortisol These are all things that we can get checked out with a simple blood test and right. we will know sometimes we're feeling these symptoms but we will and and that's also where it's important not to just label it as anxiety or depression it could be something else as well so i think that we should hesitate from just labeling any kind of mental illness as a decision or a choice or if you just work things out with your wife or if you just work things out with your sister then things will be better yes sometimes it can be that mm-hmm. sometimes it could be that um there are a lot of people out there who are going through depression or anxiety or um trauma right now because they were abused when they were kids 
And in the Sangat, in Sikh community in general, we don't talk about this enough. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who have been molested when they were kids. When they grow up, they have trauma and they have to deal with it. They, they are struggling. They have flashbacks or they don't, their self-identity didn't develop properly when they grew up. So that can, be a, that can be a cause as well. But the main thing to understand is it's not just one cookie cutter response or one cookie cutter case right. for anyone who's going through these different kind of struggles. And we should try to approach them all with compassion and understanding and open mind. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like, as you just mentioned, is like how to approach it, how to approach it in terms of anyone who's going through it in terms of self-care, what was your journey of, of uh, providing self-care in terms of medication? Was it therapy? Um, and we did talk about that medication therapy as well, but just in general, as well as lifestyle changes like exercise, nutrition, or sleep, like what was that journey like? Um, I think, again, like, you know, the, the way that you phrase the question as well is, it could lead me to respond with, it was like this, and then people might assume that it's all done and said and done right now right yeah but it's a day-to-day thing like if i don't exercise enough or if i don't get enough sleep or if i don't eat healthy now i'll still feel anxious right, right. if i don't do simran um every day or if yeah. i don't um go to sangat regularly i'll still feel my mood will still go low right, right. Um, or for example, like if I don't control my environment or if I don't manage my time effectively, the ADHD symptoms will still affect my job. So these are things that we have to, uh, kind of maintain. And we look at it from the spiritual, um, side, like we look at that from a spiritual side, but it's also from emotional or mental side that Mm -hmm. if you are constantly working on yourself, take care of yourself, um, make time for yourself, it's okay to say no to certain things, or it's okay to under-promise and over-deliver rather than over-promise and under-deliver, right? So those kind of things, I'm, I'm learning about those now. Yeah. Ten years later, I'm mm-hmm. learning about how to say no or how to, um, you know, p- people say like uh, sh- share less and do more, do right? More. So yeah. those kind of things. Like now we're in this whole age where we want to share everything, yeah, right? But um, those simple, simple things, they actually help your mental health. These are not only things about self-development or mm-hmm. about career development mm-hmm. or success. They also help your mental health. health yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of off of that, um, for some of our listeners, let's say they want to take that first step, they're feeling in this, they're in this state. Um, what would be that first recommended step? Would it be therapy? Would it be go to a doctor and get medication? Like what would be that initial step? Um, first step I would say is like to go to your family doctor Okay. and go to your family doctor if you trust your family doctor and they are, they have kind of had your back since you've been going to them. Right. Sometimes people don't like their family doctor. They don't get good advice from them or they don't give them enough time. Yeah. That's okay. Then go to a different clinic. We're very lucky here in Canada with our healthcare system. But hopefully if you have coverage in any other country, then you can also do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Go to a doctor, talk to them, and then get some blood tests done. Make sure that all of your different levels are normal and it's not anything physical right. it's not anything to do with hormones or um, iron levels or b12 levels or things like that right. and then also like do an inventory of the different things that are going on so i remember last year i had a lot of different stresses in in my life mm-hmm. i had 
um, two of my mamaji's passed away within two months and we were going through um, different struggles at work and I was stressed out from a lot of different reasons and towards March middle of March I just had like emotional like breakdown I just didn't know what but I didn't know where it all came from mm -hmm. I, I couldn't understand like why was I so stressed out but it was because I was just kind of pr pressing down all of my feelings and I was not trying to deal with them properly so if someone is in that situation mm -hmm. where they're feeling burnt out or they're feeling overwhelmed or sad or anxious um, you know they can take an inventory and see sometimes um, it's normal if you lose a family member and you feel sad mm -hmm. for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. When my dadaji passed away, I was very, very close to him. And I didn't get over that for six months because his loss was such a big impact. His life was such a big impact in my life. And then his loss was such a big loss for me. Right. So um, some kind of bereavement when something like that happens, it's normal. But even those situations, it's good to talk to someone. So after you go and you get go to a doctor and you get different levels checked, then you can get a referral to a counselor or there's certain agencies in different areas that also offer uh, counseling services without referral. Mm -hmm. So you can even look those up okay. um, and you can just uh, call them or email them and you can set up an appointment. Those can be very useful as well. Right. Um, and then, like I mentioned, like you, you, you mentioned about Reddit, like if it's if it helps you more to talk to someone online, there's online counseling, there's online support groups. Right. Um, but if it helps you to meet someone in person, person right. there are support groups out there yeah. um, and there are a lot of service providers out there, okay. whether it's a counselor. Um, so like a registered clinical counselor can guide you through like cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. or different types of um, therapy and they can help you and support you to get back on your feet. Right. Um, a coach could actually motivate you. They're more motivational. They will actually make like a schedule for you and help you to take the steps to move forward in your career or go back to school or do, do, do your day-to-day -day habits that you need to improve on. Mm -hmm. A psychiatrist can prescribe medication, which a counselor can't do. So if you need medication, then you would have to see a psychiatrist, right? A family doctor does not have in-depth mental health training, but they are a physician and they have um, medical training mm -hmm. and they can refer you to a psychiatrist. Right. And then, you know, people who go, if they have like a crisis and they have to go for acute care in a hospital, then they might see a psych nurse or they might see a mental health nurse. So there's a lot of people working in this field that you can get help from. Get you help. can call crisis line. Um, you can, and then you can also talk to a family member. If you have someone who's trusted, mm -hmm. who, um, you know, doesn't, um, doesn't like, you know, tell personal things to other people right. and you trust you have a good relationship with them and you can confide in them then they can also give you support or they can help you uh, it's happened to me a few times where someone texted me and they said that I'm going through a hard time and I just need some help to find a counselor mm -hmm. so my role was not to be the counselor it right. was just to help them to connect to the services yeah there's a huge like vulnerability factor that goes into that like talking to your family doctor or even talking to somebody like you who does like mental health advocacy mm -hmm. talking to a friend and uh, 
oftentimes it's much easier, not always, but in generally for women, it's a lot easier to put themselves in a vulnerable position versus men. And I know you've talked about this a little bit in the past about men being vulnerable, men feeling that they can cry, that they don't have to be macho and they don't have to be stoic, especially I would say even more than men like sings. Mm-hmm. It, very hard for them to be vulnerable. Um, and you, you said something very beautiful about the vulnerability that Guru Saib has shown us. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, um, in our history, um, we have seen the ups and downs of toxic max- masculinity. We talk about, like, that's like a very um, common topic now that a lot mm-hmm. of young people and a lot of university students are learning about. But um, the older generations didn't discuss that. They didn't discuss how the need to have control, the need to have power, the need to um, exert your power over women, the need to put down women, um, the need to shelter your emotions and always be considered as a provider. All these different roles within patriarchy made men, and then more than that, made things um, so like void from that energy or that expression that is actually like Guru Sahib talks about it all the time right all of all of um, Guru Granth Sahib comes from the perspective of either like a Sohagan or Dohagan mm-hmm. or is talking about Meri Mai it's, it's, it's always asserting to um, the feminine perspective right. right and but that doesn't mean that the masculine or feminine perspective is only for men or women otherwise like no male kirtani would sing any shabad <laughs> that's said yeah. like ma dhagan or yeah. something like that if it was from that perspective right. Right? right so it's not about that it's about putting yourself in that in that mindset mm-hmm. and yeah like i've mentioned in the past um with um with like even we consider uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji as our father and Guru Sahib has put themselves in that perspective as well so many different ways right from um, from uh, at a young age losing their father and having to take over this enormous role uh, such an important role and then um, sacrificing their home sacrificing their family um, getting separated from their wife getting separated from their mother their children um, losing their kingdom and to the extent of like in the battle of Chamkor taking off their kalgi taking mm-hmm. off their shoes because they don't want to disrespect and walk on the case of the things that are in the battlefield yeah. and just all giving all of that up and being barefoot in a jungle and still being in Chardikala and singing to Waiguru, right? And if there's not someone who is more vulnerable than that, right? And who is? Like Guru Maharaj sh- showed us that there's so much power in that, there's so much Shakti in that, right? And it's not just um, that example, but even if you look at who had privilege in our history, like I, here at the school, we always try to introduce kids to new concepts. So mm. last year I was talking to the kids about what is privilege and how do men have privilege and how does different types of societal ranks or power structures create privilege. So we have the caste system, mm-hmm. we have class systems, we have patriarchy and the most like 
prime example of that was Guru Amar Das Ji. They were from a high caste, they were respected, mm -hmm. they were looked up to, they were elder, they were male, um, and um, on top of that, they're a spiritual guide. They used to lead people on the different yatras that they used to go and do um, Tiratishnan. Mm -hmm. And so people used to look up to them so much and they became just a Nimana Sevadar for 12 years. Yeah. A nobody, like nobody knew them. Nobody understood them, right? And they even got called Nithama, right? And from becoming Nithama, they became Nimanya Dimana, Nithanya Dithan. But they had to be vulnerable first. So we, we, we could learn a lot from that. All, the, all of the things could learn about, a lot from that, that there is power and there is Sikhi in um, not always putting up a front, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that you have actual Shakti, you have actual power yeah. when you're putting up a front. How has your, like you talk so beautifully about Sikhi, how has your relationship changed with Guru Sahib, or if at all, since you've been diagnosed? Um, I think that it's made me have more compassion for other people who are str struggling and suffering. Um, I think that it's reminded me, like I've gone to, um, I've had the opportunity with Guru Sahib's Kirpa to meet other Gursikhs um, and learn about um, the importance of Gurbani in your day-to-day -day life, the importance of Simran. And especially in the last few years, Simran has had a much uh, greater impact in my life. So just, you know, I'm I'm uh, not doing Simran regularly as I should be, but even the amount that I started to do, it had such a profound impact on my anxiety level mm -hmm. and on my focus level. Because when you're doing Simran, you're reducing your thoughts down to the sound of your voice. You're reducing your thoughts down to the Gurmantar. You're reducing your thoughts so that you can be in love with Vaiguru. And when you do that, you f start forgetting other things. You start forgetting your anxiety. You start forgetting your um, sadness. And you start tuning in and refining your thoughts. And then over time, you can actually choose your thoughts. You can stop your anxiety in its tracks and say, no, I'm not going in that direction. I'm going in this direction. And your mind kind of goes from being like a wild horse to tamed. And you can control which direction you want to take it in. Uh, I'm far, far from that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, nowhere near that. And I have a lot of relapses where I get anxiety again, or I feel down again, or I will, like, you know, have my mind will be full of vikars again. But, um, but I know that these things definitely work. Like, they've worked for me. So I, I could say that as a personal testimony that Simran helps mental health, mm -hmm. for sure. Gurbani helps mental health. Um, and so a lot of people, they talk about it in just, you know, there's one polar extreme or there's one polar extreme. Either you're religious or you're not religious and you take medication and you go to counseling. That's not true. Right. There are so many people who do Simran, they read Bani, uh, they do Keet, then they go to Sangat, and then they also go to counseling. And you can do everything. Yeah. You can't, but those things can help and support each other. Mm -hmm. And you can have your, in your mind, you can still have that mission that my ultimate um, goal is to have Nam as my support. But on the way to there, I need to use these few different tools uh, to get there, to make myself sufficient um, and stable enough to be able to be Ikman, Ikchit when I go to Sangat or mm -hmm. whatever. 
So in terms of, uh, as you just mentioned, just mission and having that mission at a personal level, um, just switching gears, what's what's your mission in the next couple of years? Like what, what do you see yourself doing in the next couple of years in terms of uh, mental health awareness or just teaching and anything along those lines? Hmm. <laughs> Essentially, what's the future for you? It's a really good question. Um, definitely, I want to move further in my teaching career so that I can um, I can help young people to, I guess, um, to build the kind of structures and supports in their youth that would help them as they grow up. Because I know the feeling of being lost or feeling alone or not having guidance. And then I also know the feeling with Waigurus Kirpa of having a mentor or meeting a Mahapurk mm-hmm. or having a Sangat and how much support that provides. Um, I know the feeling of being completely frustrated and um, confused. Mm-hmm. And I also know the feeling of having direction. So my goal is to um, use all the mistakes that I made yeah. in my life to help other people to uh, try to not make those mistakes. not make or at least learn from their mistakes more quickly because sometimes the mistakes we made they're part of the learning process right. but it's up to you if you are going to um, just sulk and stay in that low energy after you've made a mistake mm-hmm. or if you're going to rebound quickly and grow from from the mistake. mistake yeah essentially reducing the feedback loop yes that's fair i like that well to wrap up we always uh we always end every podcast with asking you five random questions it's just a way for us to get to know you better um so we're going to ask you the questions and you can just answer however you want you ready? Okay, sure. Okay, first question. What is your favorite book? Um, okay, so I thought about this and I um, I actually, like my, I, I don't know if this counts as a book, but by Gurdash Jili Yeah, that favorite. counts. Yeah. We're not going to be the ones to be like, no, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> we, we won't call it a book, but that, that's definitely a body of text that yeah. will count. Yes. Yeah. Okay, what's your favorite quote or Bani Pankti? Oh, um, I go through different phases where like when I um, listen to Kirtan or when I do Kirtan, then it's the same Shabbat over and over and over again. So the one that was kind of in my mind for many of the last few years was... Um, and that... Um, Shabbat was one of my favorites um, and it's just like it's just a binti Shabbat right at the end of um, at the end of uh, any part or simran it's just a binti that you know we're all on this journey and we all make mistakes but why Guruji just you know keep me moving forward and growing yeah um, what is one of your weird quirks um I think a lot of people don't know that I'm an introvert, but I'm actually very introverted and I don't like being in too much like um, social environment. So sometimes like people, they will see me on like TV or I'll do interviews or I'll do talks 
and then you know they'll also see me like disappear when I just show up to an event for five <laughs> minutes and I just d- disappear. Yeah. But it's because I actually can't handle like so much so much um, socializing. Right? Yeah, I don't. I I can't do it. So it's like a. I don't know if I'm an introvert or ambivert because some people say that you, if you can do both, then you're kind of balancing both. But um, yeah, that's the that, first time I've heard of that ambivert. Yeah, interesting. Like it's kind of like you know someone who's ambidextrous. It's the same thing. Someone who can be an extrovert in the in the right circumstances, but essentially they still need their alone time too. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. If you could meet anyone in history, who would it be? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Take your time. This is a hard yeah. One. He's thinking about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. He's thinking hard. You can't my, see him, but he's thinking hard. <laughs> my goal is to meet God. Right. My goal is to meet Waigu. So that's that's the primary goal. Wow. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, <laughs> um, I think one of my pet peeves is when people are. Um, thankless like to all of the blessings and all of the things that we have in our society so a lot of times people don't know how many things they're blessed with and they take advantage of them or um, and it it comes from my own experience too of making the same mistake that um, you know like living here having sangat having so many things around us we sometimes take it for granted yeah and so um that's my pet peeve about myself but at the same time about others too that we're so blessed and we should just have fun and enjoy life and yeah smile and be thankful i agree yeah thank you so much um i've definitely learned a lot i'm not a person who um i got into doing this podcast as well from project god um just wanting to learn more because i do see that i have some ignorance about that and you've kind of shed some light on a lot of key topics that i think i'll take away from um so thank you so much um and i hope we can do something like this soon awesome yeah even like from me i'm very passionate about mental health and you've been a role model for me so just to have you on the podcast is really important and some of the stuff that you said i feel like is going to be very useful for the people that listen because there is a lot of people um that that feel like these things are like you they're just like in your mind you make them up you're making excuses and you touched on that so much i feel like it's going to be extremely useful for a lot of people. So thank you so much and also thank you for being so vulnerable. Yeah. I think like uh sharing like so many personal things about the death and the grief and the loss in your family and your struggle with ADHD. It's not easy to share that stuff and like you said like you kind of just got thrown into this position and it's your seva that you're doing but it's extremely important. So I'm really glad you're doing it. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you. So much. Thank you. I'm honored to be here and um uh if i made any mistakes while talking i ask all the sangat and guruji to forgive me and i really appreciate um that you guys are using this platform to raise awareness on important issues so thank you <laughs> i'm prabjot kaur and i'm kulwinder singh until next time vaiguji ka khalsa vaiguji ki fateh you've been listening to the experience sikhi podcast 